Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hi, welcome back to Ausbiz, Australia's only live streaming uh, business and investments channel. Great to have your company for the next hour. You're watching a program we refer to as The Call, where we... Uh, uh, look at 10 stocks that you've sent in and suggested we analyse. I've put it to an expert panel for their adjudication. Uh, plus, for the last two weeks, um, we've added something a bit different. I usually choose a stock of the day, but this uh, last week and this week, I'm challenging our expert panel to come up with a stock that could change your life. One of those stocks that in five, 10 years' time, you look back and go, wow, that changed my financial life. Um, it just zoomed up unexpectedly and uh, was a 10-bagger, if like they uh, say in the trade. How did I come up with this idea? I've been giving credit all the last two weeks to our good friend Henry Jennings from, Jennings from Marcus today because a couple of weeks ago, a stock came up here on a call called Archer Materials and it's a company in quantum computing. And it was just fascinating. And Henry said, I chose this as my stock that could change your life in a little competition we had internally at Marcus today. So I thought, as I always do, do gee, that's a good idea. I'll steal a good idea and use it myself. And we have for the last two weeks, Henry Jennings from Marcus today, welcome. And- uh, Hi, David. It has, it has been a lot of fun the last two weeks, and a lot of our expert panels have very nervously come up with the stock going, I haven't ever thought of it this way before, but it's been a lot of fun. So thank it's, you. Uh, it, that was, oh, it's a pleasure. I'm glad you, uh, glad you ran with the idea. It's, um, it's, it's not a bad idea, and it came off the back of one of our subscribers that uh, uh, took 156000 into $12 million bucks in uh, two stocks, so it wasn't a one-stock hit but it was two stocks and has done extraordinarily well. We call him the $12 million man uh, around here. So um, it, it wow. can certainly change your life, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a, we've come up with it with a few. Um, Andrew Wheeler, your partner in crime, always great to have you from uh, Toowoomba, from DP Wealth Advisory. Um, it, it does make you think, Andrew, does it? If you had to pick one stock that could change your life. Yeah, I sort of, when I was doing this challenge, I sort of tried to look at it from a couple of frames. One was sort of saying, what's been some of my best performers over the last 25 years and what were the attributes 
And as we'll see in a minute, I just went out and chose something else. But uh, <laughs> it was a really good intellectual challenge. Like, yep. I, I seriously spent hours on this thinking, what would it be? So, Henry, yep. tip of the hat, and, thank you. And it's interesting, it's reflected, which I think is a good thing, which is what the call's about, because our panels are all different and they approach investing from a different point of view. For example, Howard Coleman, yesterday at Team Invest, went for CSL. Now you go, really? You know, Howard, have you went down on that? But he said, okay, for the, he, he's held CSL for years and it turns $100,000 into a million dollars every 10 years that he's had it. So he said, in my investment philosophy, that's a good way of doing it. Now, Gary Glover from Novus, he went through studies on growth stocks and, and, and there are sort of, he, he mentioned a couple of great authors, great books that he referred to that came up with seven elements. So he, de, he decided to choose some stocks that would get close to those seven elements and he came up with Playside Studios, which he said is one I've never looked at before. But it just ticked off. He said, I learned so much from this exercise because it ticked five of the seven elements. That are, it's the most he could get from any of the stocks he looked at, um, which is a, um, um, a video gaming business based in Australia that has deals with Disney and Pixar and things like that. So it's, um, Henry, it's, it's sort of challenged people from their different investment philosophies as well. Uh, yes, I feel a bit like Keith Richards coming up with a riff where I can't get no satisfaction in my sleep and writing it down. I've got to say, the amount of thought that I put into Archer Materials uh, was no way in any respect uh, with these gentlemen, uh, Andrew uh, or um, Gary Glover or Howard. I have to say, I, I looked at a stock in, in a field that is rapidly expanding, which is uh, artificial intelligence and more importantly, quantum computing. And the more I've looked into quantum computing, I mean, this, is, this could be an absolute game changer uh, in terms of computing, not just for Archer materials, but just for the, the globe. Um, and Archer at a $200 million market cap is one of those stocks that could easily be a billion dollar market cap given the opportunity if their uh, chip, if their qubit chip does actually work. Yeah. And uh, it's been worth going down the rabbit hole and, and sub subsequent to... Uh, to coming out with the riff from I Can't Get No Satisfaction, I have done a little more work on Archer Materials, uh, you'll be pleased to know, and a little more work, work on quantum computing. And uh, it certainly does look interesting. It's up around 50% since, uh, since we talked about this, Koshi, a couple of weeks ago. So yep. it's off to a good start. I mean, I think, you know, you're never going to change your life with CSL now. It's never going to be a, you know, a trillion-dollar company, whereas Archer, if, if this works, it could be two, three, four, five billion dollar company yep. could yep. be it's 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 a long way to go but uh, yep. interesting it's, it's certainly been a good start yeah now andrew wheeler did you wimp out on this going for an yes. etf explain to <laughs> me did. why you didn't i did i did you did wimp uh, out I, see, I did um claudia uh and new producer um you know said well i actually got him beforehand when he's a couple of weeks notice went yep no worries i'll get to that get to that and then yesterday I went, oh, bother, I've got to come up with this name. <laughs> and I didn't say bother, by the way. And I just went, uh, what am I going to do? And, you know, it's interesting you talk about Howard and being true to your investment philosophy. 
And as I said, I literally, uh, JV Hi-Fi was the one that came to mind. So we bought JV Hi-Fi at $2.10 and where is it today? 50 something bucks. And, you know, what were some of the attributes, you know, uh, that we liked about it? And I thought to myself, can I find a company, or two things, can I find a company that's like that? But more importantly, is that true and authentic to my investing style today? Right. And I just felt it was disingenuous for me. I'm not suggesting for others because, you know, others are out there trying to pick winners. You know, is it disingenuous for me that, you know, we run these ETF specials every fortnight. I'm on the drop with Andrew and Cara talking about ETFs. But, you know, I come to you and I go, look, here's my one in a lifetime opportunity. I just went, that's not me. So I uh, I went out, but there is some method to the madness, Koshi. Um, So I I chose Qual, Q-U-A-L. And uh, you, you could say that it's cheating. I don't like to think of it like that. Um, what, 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 I, what I mean by that is the others, so we'll pick on Henry because it's easy to do. Um, Axe will either do really, really well or maybe not so much. And I hope it does well. And certainly everything about Axe would make me think that it is going to do well and certainly based on its price action, it's well on the way. Right. But it's one company. Whereas what Qual does is it basically chooses the top 300 around 300 companies around the world that have um, success factors about it. So what I mean by that is it's got strong return companies that have strong returns on equity, companies that are stable to increasing earnings, and companies that have falling levels of debt. You'd have to think those three attributes are attributes of strong companies. But not all companies do that all the time. Companies, you think about BHP, you know, BHP back in 2001 was $8. It was a basket case, went up to $18, uh, sorry, $30, back to 18, back at 51. Companies move in and out of cycles. And I sort of said, well, if I've only got one chance to buy a company, I can only have one buy, why wouldn't I buy an ETF that is screening the market every 90 days, trying to find the best 300 companies in that 90-day cycle and having those in there. And as we just saw on the charts before, the performance has been pretty good. And if you compare it against the benchmarks, in this case, the benchmark is that Morgan Stanley Capital Index, the MISCI, it's basically outperformed the benchmark by somewhere between three to 4% per annum since inception. So it's doing better than the benchmark. I've got 300 companies in there. I'm not choosing one. And I'm staying true to sort of my training 25 years ago. My mentor said, hey, Andrew, here's some paper annual reports. How novel is that? And I want you to find for me, mate, I want you to find companies that have got strong return on equity. I want you to find me companies that have got increasing profit. And I want you to find companies that have got low levels of debt. So I've used that training from 25 years ago and in sort of today's philosophy or today's investment tools. Okay. All right, fair enough. So the uh, Archer materials from Henry and the Vanek uh, MSCI uh, <laughs> World Fund, which is ex-Australian shares. All right, let's um, kick off with the, the 10 stocks or ETFs that you want to uh, take a look at. And Andrew, Robert wants a view on the Vanguard Australian shares high yield ETF. Uh, Robert says, we're looking at getting an ETF in our portfolio. I like Vanguard Australian shares, but my wife likes the Australian Foundation um, investment, uh, listed investment company. Can I have your thoughts? So Andrew and Henry, you're going to sort out a marital investment dispute here. So uh, uh, go for your life. Andrew? 
what could go wrong, Koshi? Um, <laughs> Uh, it's uh, the, the Minister for Fun and Finance in, in my relationship is always right. So, uh, you know, Robert, if, if your wife wants AFI, and we'll talk about AFI in a minute, there's lots to like about AFI, a great deal to like about AFI. But let's talk about VHY. So VHY is the Vanguard, as we just heard, the Vanguard High Yield Australian uh, Dividend ETF. It holds around 60-odd holdings. And it's got names that you would expect. Companies that have got above the ASX market average dividends, so CBA, uh, Wes Farmers, uh, BHP, etc., has a couple of rules around it. You can have no more than 10% of the ETF in one name, and it can have no more than 40% of this of one sector in there. So it can't be full of banks, as an example. It also excludes all the REITs, so all the, the property trusts in there as well. Yep. About $1.8 billion. The MER, that management expense ratio, is not too bad. It's about 25 basis points. Um, look, it's okay. I'd say it, it, like a lot of the other dividend-focused ETFs were found wanting last year when all these dividends were under pressure. And to me, Koshi, it just reinforced that when you're looking at investing, you shouldn't be just solely focused on yield. You should actually be solely focused on total return, both growth and yep. also dividend. So me personally, if it's a shootout between VHY and AFI, I'd actually choose AFI right. because I think, I, and we'll hear in a minute about the performance of AFI. But if you, you're really wedded to yield, like, you know, yield is your thing. We spoke about factor investing before, quality just before, that's a factor. Yep. Income is another factor. Nothing wrong with VHY, but AFI versus VHY, you'd go AFI. Mm, okay, Henry? Geez, that was a plot twist, wasn't it? I didn't <laughs> see that one coming. <laughs> I've got to say, having wimped out on the stock to change your life <laughs> completely and gone the ETF, now you're going the, um, the lick over the ETF. That was, that was something. Oh, Andrew. I'm sure. Just going to keep them um, toes. Keep toes. <laughs> well, that's that's good. Someone has to. Uh, it, it's not an easy one to uh, to sort out the marital argument. I have to say on this one, and Andrew is right. It's they are kind of like for like to some extent. The difference is, and I guess we'll come to that with AFI. Is the management fee for AFI is, is around half of what it is for Vanguard. So it's only around 0.13 percent, which is quite rare in an LIC, yes. and there's no performance fee either. Um, and uh, if we're just leaping on a little bit, AFI has been going since 1928. So it's got a, a long track record and it pretty much invests in pretty much the same things that uh, Vanguard Australia High Yield does. So um, it is much of a muchness. If you like the market, if you, if you want to be long the market, then this is certainly one way to play it. And it's, you know, it's not a bad way to play it. There's other ways to play it, as we've discussed with AFI. So um, as far as whether it's a buy, hold or sell, uh, for me, it's a hold because that's my kind of view on the market. But uh, um, there's not a lot of difference between this and AFI, except that uh, that management fee rather is is lower in AFI, and it's been around a long time. You know, it's going to be there. But it invests in all the big Australian large yeah. caps that pay big dividends, so um, there's not a huge difference in the two, to be honest. Okay. All right. Uh, there you go, Robert. Hopefully, that sorted it out for you. Um, our next um, uh, one is also an ETF um, um, on the uh, beta shares crude oil index ETF, currency hedged. Um, a viewer says there appears to be a lot of life left in oil stocks, particularly overseas. 
How did the panel rate the ETF um, 000 compared to, say, fuel? Uh, good question. As a way of getting global exposure to oil and gas, not just limited to Australian stocks. Andrew, what do you think of, uh, of this one compared to fuel? Uh, so again, if we're sort of having a shootout, uh, I'd actually go fuel. And uh, because I'm simplistically, I prefer physical uh, underlying securities as opposed to triple O, which is actually futures based. So therefore is thin synthetics. There's actually no physical backing, if that makes sense. Yep. So uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of triple O. I can certainly see what it's trying to do. Um, if we were just to look at some numbers, the MER, Henry was talking about the MER, um, it's about 0.69 of a percent for triple O, whereas with fuel, it's 0.57. So it's about 20% cheaper for fuel. Fuel also holds companies like uh, Exxon, uh, Chevron, Total, Royal Dutch Shell, uh, etc. Whereas, as I said, triple O is actually uh, synthetics or futures contracts. And the issue with the futures contract is that they're, they're monthly contracts, so they're rolling them from month to month. So it's really a function of what the futures oil price is, not what the spot price is, what the future oil price is. Whereas I can actually get more leverage by buying fuel because I can then look at those underlying companies and how they're managing sort of that energy space. Um, if we actually look at the underlying performance, uh, it's actually been reasonably ordinary with due respect to AAA. AAA is up 79% for the year, which is amazing. But if we go back to how long it's been listed, which I think is 2011, it's down about 18% per annum. If I compare and contrast that to fuel, fuel's up 32% this year, so it's not as strong, but it's up 0.63% since it listed back in 2016. So to me, if it's like for like, I'd do fuel over right. AAA. Okay. Um, Henry, first question, um, is there still life left in fuel stocks, in oil stocks? <laughs> and which of those <laughs> ETFs would you prefer, if there is? Um, it's, it's an interesting one because they are two different beasts to some extent, uh, triple O and fuel. Fuel is a, is a basket of oil companies, whereas uh, triple O, uh, which is the... Uh, the <laughs> The bond before James by seven uh, okay. is actually a, a, an ETF on the on the futures contract on the oil price. It's not the same as Brent crude. It's not the same as WTI. It is based on the futures oil price, which we saw uh, last year went negative. If you remember, it was down. We had oil down to minus thirty-seven dollars a barrel after we had some issues with the expiry, if you remember rightly. So it, it is, if you pardon the pun, it's a more volatile uh, being, being really basically oil or, or futures on the oil price. Whereas fuel is those, as Andrew says, the Exxons, the Mobiles, the BPs, et cetera, of this world, which offer the leverage. So I guess if you want to go for the volatile product of triple O, then that's the way to go if you're bullish on the oil price, if, if you're looking for leverage and some more stability in good times and bad because of dividend payments, etc., then fuel is the way to go there. Bear in mind, a lot of these oil stocks as well are transitioning from uh, carbon based to a more greener future as well. Yeah. So um, that's going to that's going to change the I guess the the earnings profile of many of these oil companies going forward, whereas here we are with, with a, a pure play on the futures price of oil. 
it's it's not transitioning. There's there's no green transition involved in this one. It's just going to be the same as it ever was. Um, so um, you pays your money and you takes your chalk ice, as they say. Uh, for me, I, I suspect it's a safer play to agree with Andrew with the fuel because I think it just smooths out that volatility, which you may or may not want. But I, for me, fuel is a better bet because at least it takes into account some of that transition, whereas uh, the futures okay. ETF contract does offer a lot more volatility. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Now, Ryan uh, Henry wants a view on Australian Foundation that we talked about a minute, minute ago. Um, Ryan says, I've been a long-term holder in this um, LIC and have some healthy profits. If I was to sell at these levels, does the panel see this as a sell or a buy? Henry? Um, well, I guess, I mean, this is a market beast. This is geared to the market. It holds 8.8% of Commonwealth Bank, 7.3% uh, BHP, 6.9% CSL. It holds all the big stocks. It's been around since 1928. It's got uh, cheap fees in terms of that uh, MER that Andrew talks about. There's nothing wrong with this at all. It does trade at a premium of around 6.5% to its NTA. So that is something to bear in mind. So you're paying a dollar six and a half or a dollar's worth of assets. But these guys basically collect the dividends, collect the growth in the market, pay the franking. It's a very well run, very well respected LIC. It's one of the, the premier LICs, if you like, over a long, long period of time. I certainly, if, if you still like the, the equity market here in Australia, then I wouldn't be selling this one. It's certainly a hold. I'm not sure about buying at the moment. I just have some caution about the market, but uh, I seem to be in the minority. But uh, it's definitely a hold and not a sell. And just, you know, over the long term, it's been a great performer. Why would you sell it? Yep. Andrew? Spot on. It's uh, If you were to compare it to, say, STW or IOZ, which are sort of index-based ETFs, their MER, that management expense ratios, somewhere between 10 and 12 basis points, which is pretty much the same as what AFI is doing. And yet, if you look at the 10-year performance for AFI, the accumulation index, in other words, looking at both the, the growth and the dividends reinvested, uh, AFI over the last 12 years has done about 12.3% relative to the accumulation index, which has done 11. So they've actually outperformed the index, which as we know, there's an 86% chance they can't do that. So they're in that top 14% that can. I agree with Henry, though, that I, I struggle to buy um, a listed investment company which is trading at a premium to asset backing because I can buy, again, I'll pick on STW, I can buy STW at NAV, at its asset backing. A dollar will buy me a dollar. Whereas if I buy AFI, a dollar, as Henry just said, I'm actually paying a dollar six for a dollar. So um, I, I jokingly referred to AFI as my widows and orphans fund because since 1928, it has paid a dividend every year. And you think about all the bad stuff that's occurred since 1928, lots of bad things have happened and they paid a dividend every year. So it is solid as the unfinished simile, but uh, yeah, it's a hold, but it's a quality hold. <laughs> okay, all right. Um... A quality hole. We'll, uh, quality hole. We're, we're, we've had weak buyers, strong <laughs> buyers. So we've never had a quality, quality hole, hole, but that's a good one. I'll add quality that. Quality hole. Um, all right, Andrew, our, our next stock is uh, 
Nanosonics, of course, um, it is the, um, it's had this one product called Trophon, which are, is a disinfectant sort of technology for ultrasound probes. Um, it's been very successful, but the entire market has always said, gee, it's really focused on this product. It needs another one uh, for a bit of diversity. So uh, recently it announced a new product called Audit Pro, which is a digital platform that's been designed to improve traceability, reporting and compliance of infection prevention manager, uh, measures and medical devices. Uh, Goldman Sachs sort of has put a verdict out on it saying, yeah, it'll be okay, but it won't be a big addition to the finances of it uh, uh, for quite a while. What do you think of Nanosonics? Meh. Um, look, it's, it's okay. I mean, when we have a look at the chart in a minute, you'll see that it had a run up up to about $8 there. Uh, it's back in the fives at the moment. Um, yeah, look, I, uh, I, I guess I'd sort of look at the fact that they're heavily reliant upon GE Healthcare. And uh, when GE Healthcare wasn't buying last year around COVID, that significantly impacted that business. And so I'm always very mindful of businesses that are a one-trick pony, not only on the products piece that you just spoke about, but also a one-trick pony on the, on the uh, customer base as well. It's trading above consensus. Consensus is about $5.17. So it's actually trading above consensus. And in fact, that um, support level of around $5 is really important for them. You know, you look at the return on equity, it's a 5% return on equity, it's a 6% profit margin. So we go back to my Qual WIMP ETF, due respect, it's actually a cracking ETF, and it wouldn't be included in there because a company with a 5% ROE is not a quality business. Whereas I compare and contrast it to, say, Fisher & Paykel, FPH, it's a 41% ROE and a 26% profit margin. So hard to get enthused about this one, Koshi. It's certainly a hold at this stage and a break below $5 is a sell. Okay. All right, Henry, what's your view on Nanosonics? Uh, uh, well, I'm a little more optimistic about Nanosonics, I have to say, than Andrew, uh, mainly because of the reopening of hospitals and elective surgery, etc. I'm also pushing into emerging markets as well. And part of the big push for them is in consumables. So they make 70% of their profits on the actual bits that uh, you have to buy, a bit like the printer model, I guess. The new business that they've gone into, which is really a, a, a really sort of a technical name for track and trace, so you can keep an eye, it's, got, it's part of an audit process that you can track what you've done and, and you can trace and make sure that everything's in order, compliance-wise, is not groundbreaking. It's not going to add too much to the story, which I guess is a bit more of a shame. But the emerging markets thrust and that consumables business, I think, is good. And bearing in mind where the stock is, uh, bouncing off that 520 level and trading at around $5.50 at the moment, I think there's some upside potential in this one as we see the rest of the globe, not here, unfortunately, but the rest of the globe uh, reopening hospitals, reopening, focusing more on elective surgery and that Trophon business uh, taking off in emerging markets. So for me, it's a buy. But uh, I'm not sure that the, the new business is really that significant, but it is a buy based okay. on the, the upside potential. All right. OK. Thank you for that, for uh, sending it through, um, a viewer who did that. Now, Steve, um, um, Henry wants a view on Creso Pharma, a cannabis and psychedelics company. 
Uh, Steve says they've recently put offers in for acquisitions for Hallucinex um, and have recent purchase orders for a Netherlands-based company called Red Light Holland, which sounds like a, um, a brand of cannabis you can buy. Not sure if this is fitting for the show regarding the nature of the product. Um, Steve, it's a listed company and that's what the call's all about. So big and small, sort of uh, exotic and traditional. We cover it all here. And um, who better uh, to kick us off with this than Henry Jennings? Uh, what do you think of Crusoe Pharma? <laughs> Henry, of course, is uh, side hustle is fronting a rock band, an old rockers rock band. So uh, um, he, he may have sort of tried some of the products in the past. I've never inhaled though, Crossy. What do you reckon? I have, I have to, is this confession corner? Um, I have to say, it's, it's it's just not for me. I mean, these the the cannabis companies are. It's, it's a big business in the U.S., a big business in Canada. I mean, let's face it. If you lived in the U.S., you'd need something to get you through the day. We don't have the same problem here to such an extent. I, I just really struggle to take these stocks as seriously as they would like us to do based on the, the, the naming of the parts. I mean, they're talking about, you know, Red Light Holland and uh, yeah. uh, what's the Hallucinex. I mean, I mean, come on, guys. If you want to get taken seriously by the market, you need to have some better kind of uh, naming of the parts. It's It's been a bit of a um, a roller coaster at times because it fluffs in and fluffs out of popularity. Something happens overseas, but it's just taken such a long time to come yeah. to fruition. It, it, it's been a four-year kind of story at times because back in 2016 when Donald Trump got elected, I was going to say first elected, but uh, let's hope it is the only time he gets elected. But back in 2016, uh, there was big changes to cannabis legislation that went along with the US election, and they had a big pump from that. Um, and they've also had a bit of a, a jump from the last election as well, because that tends to coincide with more legislation in the US, the presidential election. But for me, it's just a steady slide down. It, it's definitely not one that I would look at. It's okay. not a life-changing stock. Um, no. Sorry, okay. sell. All right. Andrew, is this one in your wheelhouse? Is there an Sadly, ETF, no. a cannabis ETF? There isn't, but in the context of there interest... Is. Well, sorry, sorry. Not in Australia. There is, there is overseas, but, you know, it's a bit like uh, Bitcoin or crypto. If there was a crypto ETF, uh, that would just walk out the door. And yeah. I'd say cannabis would be a close second. Uh, but... Back to, back to the matters at hand, CPH, I'm sure Henry also picked up on this. Uh, I, I took great interest in reading their most recent ASX announcement about their investor presentation and the, the merger that they're undertaking, talking about the new board. And uh, there's a couple of superstars on that board, Koshi. We've got a former top-rated uh, top radio host. And, of course, uh, everyone out there uh, is also interested that one of Toronto's best condo sellers is also going to be one of the uh, directors of this business. Mm. What that's actually got to do with cannabis, I'm not quite sure, okay. but uh, I'm sure someone will tell me. So, uh, Who's the radio host doing... that's a, a director? Not, not in Australia. This is uh, oh, right. offshore okay. uh, in, in, from Canada, I think. Right. Um, but, yeah, look, Koshi, uh, my interest level would be pretty much zero on this. Okay. All right. Uh, I know for Crusoe Farmer. Let's just recap the first five stocks. Uh, stock of the day from Henry Archer 
materials uh, from Andrew. It's the Bandec MSCI World X Australian shares. Uh, Vanguard shares, um, high yield fund, a hold from both Andrew and Henry. Uh, the beta shares, crude oil, triple zero. Um, a no from both a prefer fuel, F-U-E-L is the, uh, is the code. Uh, Australian Foundation, a hold from both. Uh, Nanosonics, a hold from um, Andrew, a buy from Henry, and Crusoe Pharma, a no from both. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner NAB Trade. Any stock or ETF that gets two thumbs up from uh, both our expert panellists goes into the calls portfolio. If it comes up again on a future panel, doesn't get unanimous approval, it goes out. Uh, let's see how we've been going for the week. We're up one and a half percent, almost a percent for the month. And since the 1st of July last year, up 36.6%. Some of the stocks recently added, uh, Flight Centre, Micro X, uh, Australian Pharmaceutical was a good addition about two weeks ago, ahead of the the takeover this week from uh, West Farmers, uh, Eclipse Group and Link Administration. Some of the stocks removed, McMahon, Bigger Cheese and Universal Store. To check out all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, coming up on The Pulse from 1.40 this afternoon, Osvaldo Acosta, the head of fixed interest at IWF, uh, joins the team. He says to reap the benefits of fixed interest, you need to get active and selective. He's going to tell you how to do it. That's at 1.40 p.m. All right, let's get into our second five stocks. And Henry Rupam um, wants a view on strike resources. He says, does this fit into the category of a change your life sort of stock? Uh, they're developing an iron ore project in Western Australia and um, they also own a magnetite iron ore project in Peru. What do you think of Strike Resources? Um, well, it's an interesting one. I hadn't looked at this one before and I've got to say, I, I was, my interest was piqued. I'm not sure it falls into the one stop to change your life category, but it's certainly heading in the right direction. They've recently raised money at 22 cents. Uh, only five million bucks. They're a seventy-one million dollar market cap, and they are developing this project in Peru. They have made their first shipment there, as well, and they've got the Paulsons East Iron Ore project in Western Australia too. So, bearing in, they're not going to be the third force in iron ore like Fortescue. This is not another Fortescue stock, but they are in the in the right space at the right time, I guess, with iron ore prices where they are. Their costs are considerably higher than a lot. Uh, the free on board cost coming out of Peru is uh, around 70 to 80 US dollars a ton. So it's not cheap iron ore to get out of the ground, but when you're selling it at whatever it's going to be sold at, depending on the grade that comes out, um, that does offer some upside. So I've got to say, this, this, is, a, this is a buy from me, a speculative buy, but it certainly does look interesting. They've also got a 43% interest in the lithium company as well, which is just listed. They've spun that out. So it, it ticks a number of boxes in some hot materials. Of course, you know, one of the best things that came out of Peru was Paddington Bear. Um, so it's, I'm not sure whether Strike Resources is going to be quite as popular as Paddington. But um, you, you have to say that this is certainly heading in the right direction. 
and they're making all the right noises. Um, they may not have a marmalade sandwich under their hat, but uh, at least they're starting to ship oil, which is good. And uh, you know, they've okay. raised money, so that, that's not a positive. So it's a yes from me, it's a buy. All right, like the analogy. Andrew, you've seen the movie. Very Make cute the bad babies. man stop. Make the bad man stop. Um, <laughs> look, I uh, I don't mind this one either. Um, I, I agree. It's certainly in that right space. It's actually a lithium corner without going too much into the other four. We're into lithium corner for the last half an hour of the call. Uh, and certainly strike um, ticks that box. It's 43% interest in that recently floated LEL which has uh, the company shares the same chair and CEO, the chair out of interest was also the former chair of Yellow Brick Holdings back in 2011, mm. for those playing at home. Uh, that, um, that WA project is an interesting one because it's a 600 kilometre road trip to Port Hedland to actually get the stuff there. So certainly that's going to be a bit of a challenge for them, but if they're pulling it out of the ground at you know 80 to $100 and they're selling it for 200 does it really matter? Um, Volume's a little bit thin, about 147,000 traded a day. But look, on balance, it's in the right space, as Henry says. Um, they're doing the right thing. So, yep, I'm happy to support this as a spec buy also. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Rupa. Um, good result. Uh, not really change your life, but, um, but some good potential there from both Andrew and Henry. Uh, Andrew, Glenn wants a view on Credit Clear. Um, Glenn says, do you see a long-term future for the small uh, cap stock, an industry disruptor in the collection business? This would be um, um, oh, Credit Corp. It would be the, uh, the disruptor for Credit Corp, wouldn't it? Um, which has had a stellar share market run over the last 12 to 18 months. Credit Clear is all about... Uh, debt collection, they take on loan books from other financial organisations and then ch chase up the debts for a fee or a percentage. Is, uh, is uh, this the new credit card? Oh, potentially so in the context of the digital space. So they've sent, as an example, I think it was in April, they sent a million messages out. So, you know, credit court might be ringing someone up and go, hey, Koshi, you know, haven't paid yeah. your Telstra bill. I'm not suggesting that you haven't. Haven't paid your Telstra bill. You want to pay us. Whereas uh, what CCR does is just send you a message. And, you know, there's three or four buttons. Do you want to pay us now? Do you want a payment plan, etc.? Yep. And so they're really starting to sort of ramp up that disruption space. We looked at this back in January, back on the call. It was around 70 cents then. And it sort of drifted away a little bit into sort of the 50s at the moment. They've been picking up more clients. When we last looked at it, they had 800 clients. They've now got 960 they're targeting financial services um, like insurance, uh, transport. And they picked up Suncorp in April as well, didn't they? Hoshi, are you looking at my notes? I'm sure. Oh. Yeah, there, there it is there. <laughs> they recently got Suncorp. So uh, it certainly is uh, 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 attractive. The chair is the founder of Ubank. So certainly oh. he's got some pedigree in that regard. I guess the issue, partly, Koshi, is people aren't going bad. You know, you think about where the economy is at the moment. One of the reasons these guys and girls at Credit Clear would sort of make money is if people were going bad. And there was certainly a thought that in COVID people would go bad. People aren't going bad. People are paying their bills on time. Mm. So that certainly is a, a challenge for them. So perversely, is this lockdown in Sydney 
uh, going to create an opportunity for them. I'm certainly not wishing it on anybody for a moment, but you know, I guess if you're going to look at this type of business, that's sort of how they're going to make money. So the technology is sound. In fact, it's great. The areas they're targeting is great. Uh, the other thing I didn't mention, they've actually got um, Thorny on the register as well. I think Thorny owns about 9% of them from memory, and we've spoken previously about TEK, and Henry's been a great exponent of them. So it's ticking all the right boxes, but I, think, I just don't think the environment is right for them at the moment. Um, I'd, like, I'd like to see them bounce. Technically, they're not looking too flash, because as we just saw there before, they're sliding away. But the underlying fundamentals are sound. They just need some traction. Okay. And maybe right. learning some contracts is that. Yep. Henry? Um, yeah. I mean, this is one that I actually recommended to uh, to members and put in the small cap portfolio that I run. And it has done nothing but go sideways to down ever since. I've got to say, it's not been massively successful. So we have winners, we have losers, and this is certainly one of the losers. One of the problems that these guys have got, well, there's a couple of them, and Andrew rightly points out, the economy hasn't been bad enough for them. To, uh, to really ratchet up, but also small caps do suffer extraordinarily from lack of news, lack of coverage, brokers don't cover them. This one trades a little bit by appointment as well. There's only 20,000 shares traded today. So liquidity has been an issue. If you, if you wanted to sell 150,000 shares, you'd struggle and you'd whack the price down 10%. Everyone would think there's something horribly wrong with the company and all bail. Uh, and that's one of the problems, this one. It's just drifted off on no volume, no real interest. As Andrew says, uh, Alex Weislitz is a shareholder of this one. Uh, Thorny has got this one on his books. It's quite a big shareholder as well. When you look at the register, the, register, the shareholding is actually in the name of Alex rather than in Thorny, which is interesting. He's got 6%. So um, to me, it's still good. I like the technology. I like the fact they don't have to do the big buy of the debt ledger, which Credit Corp does. They are disrupting. They are using technology in the platform. Well, what I also found interesting was the level of customer satisfaction. And this is not the customer satisfaction from the guys chasing you for the money. This is actually the guys being chased. They're quite happy to be chased, apparently. They're quite happy to be contacted in this way, which I think is, is a good yeah. sign that they're on the right track. And for me, it ticks a lot of boxes, apart from the fact it's small, it's illiquid. It's not well covered, but I think you know that they will probably have their day, but it just may take more than a day. It may take a week or a month or a year before they have that day. Okay, so is it a hold for you or buy. a buy no, for it's you? It's certainly a hold. Um, it's certainly a hold to just before I came on, I was buy. looking at some statistics from the Bureau of Stats showing a really big increase in the number of people saying they... Um, percentage of Australian households that could not access $2,000 immediately. Apparently, it has just spiked in the last three or four months. And then Finder put out a, um, a survey yesterday um, about uh, the holdings of savings that had fallen off a cliff uh, since April. Went up during the pandemic because the government was pumping so much money uh, into us and now has uh, fallen sharply, which would, if that keeps going, present an a better environment for, for this particular business to take advantage of it. That, that's certainly the way. And there's a lot of companies trying to fill that void. We've got a new IPO coming to the market in theory with Brian Hartzer uh, behind, oh. well, certainly oh, part of the right. company as the chair uh, in a thing called before pay. So we've, had after, we've got after pay. 
that's a bit like BC and AD. This is the before pay, so it's a bit like a payday lender. You can uh, access part of your salary before you get it. So there are ways of doing it, and my, my, certainly my kids have found a good way to access $2,000 at the drop of a hat. Um, so that, that's, never been a, that's never been a problem the for them, so they obviously day. haven't made it. If only that was <laughs> made it. Exactly. Well, I think it is in some cases. Uh, so uh, so they, they've had no problems uh, avoiding that particular survey, that's for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think, okay. you know, the Sydney lockdown, is, it may stretch things. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, our next stock, uh, Henry's uh, Sayona Mining, a lithium producer. Um, share prices have taken a bit of a hammering uh, just recently because they've gone to market again to raise, uh, what, around $45 million. Um, roughly 600 million new shares being added to the company's registry. Um, what do you think of Sayona? Um, I, I have a mental blank with this one. I keep thinking it's Sayonara mining, oh. which has a sort of a, a sort of a, a, an end of, <laughs> end of sort of, sort of uh, a, a goodbye feel to it. I, I don't mind this one. It's run pretty hard, I've got to say, uh, up to where it is now, around nine cents. So that is a little bit of a problem for me in terms of uh, that that big run. There's been a lot of but, brokers. But having the said moment. that, they've raised capital at a decent price. Yep. If you look at that chart, a lot of companies. Yep. get criticised for raising capital when the share price is really down low. They've at least done it at a peak, haven't they? Well, good for the company, maybe not such good for shareholders. Uh, right. I guess, you know, there's, there's no shortage of companies tapping the market at the moment. The appetite for risk is extreme. And, uh, you know, in a world of free money and a lot of risk taking going on, that appetite is there. These guys are obviously tapping into that, which is good. They've raised 50 million bucks for this North America acquisition, North American lithium, which is, I think, is, is a good acquisition. And lithium is very on, on market at the moment. We've had a lot of brokers updating their lithium assumptions and talking about higher prices. Uh, these guys are in Canada, Quebec. And, you know, that's strategically good as well because it plays into that North American aspect. I wouldn't be averse to adding this one, um, but I'm not sure I want to pay these prices just at the moment. I'd like to sit back below $0.08, cents, but at around $0.08 cents and below, I think this is a speculative buy, I have to say. In okay. all the right places, doing all the right things, they need to get this acquisition done and dusted because that's uh, always a little bit of, uh, you know, an overhang in the market. But once they do... I think this one could push higher again. Yeah, and, and Piedmont Lithium, who is a big ship strategic partner, yeah. actually subscribed to the shares as well. That Do you see that as a vote of yeah. confidence? It's always a vote. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, they need a bit of arm twisting and it's a question of being diluted or not diluted. But I think that is a vote of confidence yeah. in this respect. So, you know, it, this one's ticking a lot of boxes. It's in the right place at the right time with the right metal. And uh, it seems to have good management and they've got good market okay. support. So I'd be a fan of this one. Just maybe wait for a bit of a pullback. Okay. Andrew? So the second company in our lithium corner. Um, yep. So I, I, I don't mind this one either. But whenever there is a placement on the rule of thumb, certainly in my world, is to try and buy at or below the placement price once the new shares are issued. And if I remember correctly, there's actually two tranches with this issue. Uh, so as a consequence, I think there's some coming on Friday and then I think the, and that's the majority of them, but then there's a subset that's coming on in August. So 
I, I suspect some people may try and flip the shares because, as you said, Koshi, they were issued at seven and a half cents. So if I could sort of get eight cents for them, uh, especially if, you know, the share market was looking a little bit wobbly in a few days' time, well, why wouldn't I do that? So underlying premise is sound and all the reasons that Henry just outlined, but the buy price for me is seven and a half cents or below. Okay. All right. Um, next one, Andrew. Uh, Damien wants a view on Venturex Resources. Again, um, uh, two projects, Copper Zinc Project near Port Hedland in the Pilbara and uh, then one near Sulphur Springs um, and the Wind Creek Project as well. Has been a ripper. That's a technical finance term, up 1,306% for the year. Uh, it's just gone uh, crazy. I was about to say something else, but remembering a family-friendly TV, <laughs> and mainly, mainly because that um, Bill uh, Bill Beamont of uh, Northern Star uh, has basically come on board, and uh, he basically turned Northern Star from a minnow to a multi-billion-dollar AS650 company. And as a consequence, people are basically backing the management. Obviously, it's also a play on sort of the, the green metals play, copper and zinc. So, but ultimately, you're, you're backing management on this one and uh, management have done incredibly well in, in a previous life. So, uh, to me, it is a speculative buying. Um, Henry? Um, I, I find it a little ironic that we're greening the planet, but at the same time, we have to dig it up to green it. But uh, that, that's slightly on the side. Um, with, with this one, Andrew's absolutely dead right. The, the big attraction has been the, uh, the addition of Bill Beeman to the team. He's got 20% of the company. Mineral resources as well. They're no slouch in developing uh, resources. With MIN is the code there. They've gone particularly well under Chris Ellison, who doesn't get probably as much press as he should do, or maybe he doesn't want as much press as he, as he should do. Um, I like this one. I, Bill is a deal maker. He is a guy that will do deals and uh, it's a copper zinc project they've got at the moment, but this is just the start. He obviously is an ambitious guy. He's not just going to sit there with 20%. He doesn't want to just stay with Northern Star and uh, reap the benefits of that super pit um, amalgamation now with one owner of the super pit. I, I think this is a speculative buy for me. It's gone pretty well. Bill's a big draw card. Um, there's um, plenty to like about this one, I have to say, David. Plenty to okay. like about this one, especially right. management and management and people and projects are the key to uh, to any kind of speculative buy in this sector. Okay, with, the, with these little resource stocks, uh, what percentage of your thinking goes into the management when when you look at them, um, apart Lots. from their holdings or you know the areas they're exploring? Huge, Andrew. It's in my mind, it's ninety percent of it. I mean, there's obviously other things right. you need to think about. You know, you got financing, and have they actually got the stuff in the ground, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. if 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 the guys and girls can't manage it, or haven't got the connections, or whatever, you're just wasting your time. So it is a huge number in my mind. Yeah. So same with you, Henry. Absolutely. People and projects are the key to uh, small resource companies, even big resource companies. To be honest, uh, if you've got the right people with the right project. Um, you can do great things, and, and Bill certainly has done great things with Northern Star, and I don't see him just sitting back and, yeah. and smoking a cigar on the porch and drinking a, a small scotch. Um, he's going to be out there making deals and, and making this into a much, much bigger company over time. Yeah. So this could be one of those life-changing stocks. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. 
but um, it's certainly got potential. And even even if this project is just a springboard to the next project, I think you know with the backing of Chris Elliston and Mineral Resources and Bill, this is going to be um, it's mm. certainly a good speculative buy. Yeah. And and often those successful executives, when they don't make their next move, the due diligence that they do is well, I've built this reputation. I'm not going to go yep. into something that's going to destroy what I've built up. So it's a, a big yep. advantage. Uh, and just finally, um, Henry Galaxy Resources. It's got lithium production for hard rock mines and brine assets in Australia, Canada and Argentina. What do you think of Galaxy? Um, I, I think it's a buy. They're in the middle of doing a, um, a tie-up, a merger of equals, if that's the way of uh, disguising it uh, with the uh, Oracobre. Uh, Galaxy and Oracobre together will be a much stronger, more diverse company. I think lithium is hot at the moment. I think this one is still a buy. Um, it will okay. emerge as a big uh, monolithic lithium company. Okay, Andrew? Uh, again, as my learned friend says, all of the above. Uh, I know you will find this hard to believe, you too, but I would prefer an ETF. Um, which is ACDC, which actually owns about 3% of Galaxy. Um, but you're getting exposure to a whole lot of other lithium-style companies, either the miners or the battery manufacturers or the auto companies that will be using them. Oh. So, uh, But certainly if uh, ETFs have been parked for a moment, pun somewhat intended, then uh, certainly no issues with Galaxy or the merged company. I don't think we've got a name yet. Uh, it will be an ASX 100 company and where we are at the moment from a market point of view, uh, as we've seen research from City, we've seen research from Macquarie that is basically saying that uh, there's going to be a huge uh, increase in demand and there's huge undersupply of lithium. And so you really want to be at scale. So certainly uh, yep. Newco, we'll call it that, is fine. But Andrew, the boring, ACDC. Okay. Well, so, so um, the um, ETF is ACDC. There you go. For Correct. It. Right. Okay. Yep. All right. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Thank you, sir. Have a good rest of the week. My pleasure. And Andrew Wilson from uh, DP Wealth Advisory. Always great to have you aboard. Um, let's recap the final five stocks before I go. Strike Resources, uh, a speculative buy from uh, both the guys. Uh, Credit Clear, a yes from Henry, a no from Andrew. Uh, Soyona Mining looks quite good, but on a pullback, not at these prices if it gets back to seven and a half or eight cents, maybe. Uh, VentureX, a speculative buy from both, and Galaxy Resources, a speculative buy from both. But don't forget the, uh, the um, ETF on lithium stocks as well, um, which goes by the code ACDC. So that's a tip from Andrew. Um, look, if you want any stocks or ETFs um, adjudicated by our expert panel, email them in, uh, the call at osbiz.com.au or you can suggest them through Twitter using the at TV handle. Uh, don't forget, you can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And for a full wrap-up of the day of everything that's happened in business and on the markets and startups, uh, subscribe to the newsletter. You get Scuddy's View. You get a link to the Close of Business podcast. Get links to uh, all the most popular 
um, interviews on the platform during the day. Osbiz.co forward slash the COB is how you subscribe. Stay watching because coming up next, Andrew Mackham from Montaka. Uh, he takes us through the megatech names that are giving investors value. That is coming up very shortly after this break. Don't go away. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 